One of the things that's so wonderful about Jesus is he creates a, a level playing field. And let me just say, you know, y'all look wonderful. Thank you for coming. We've never done this before, so yeah. I just like going to see y'all dressed up. When was the last time some of y'all wore sequins? I mean, like, actually, do you know? I mean, come on. It's amazing. And um, I started to say something. I'll save, it, I'll save it for the women's retreat. But can I just say, women, I'm so glad that they have so many things to keep us in place. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, thanks. There. Now, talking about Jesus being a leveler. Um, I really want you guys to have a good time tonight. I don't want this to be super formal. But we are ushering in the Christmas season. And so I've just been really sitting on trying to think about, you know, if you've been a Christian at all, or if you, even if you haven't been a Christian, you've heard the Christmas story like a billion times. So I was feeling like all this pressure trying to come up with something, and then I went, wait a minute, that's so dumb. And then I just started this conversation with the Lord about what is it that you, Jesus, want to show me personally this Christmas? And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Is that okay? Okay, so there's no way that... Uh, you can look at Jesus without seeing how he interacted with people of all backgrounds. The shepherds had no wealth. Uh, the carpenter and the teenager, uh, all, what they brought to the table was a willingness to believe. The wise men had all kinds of intellect and science, um, and they were willing to follow the signs. And the angels uh, had the greatest, were witnessing firsthand the greatest miracle of all. And so Jesus applied to all of them, regardless of status. Um, but the one thing that they all had in common and this is our challenge and our gift to us tonight, is that they personally encountered Jesus. They weren't observers. They weren't um, spectators. They weren't duty-bound people. They weren't living out of some idea. They were like they encountered Jesus. Um, so like, I want to just berate the story just so that you remember that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was led uh, by a dream. Uh, not only to receive, but he received in a dream the ability to receive Jesus, uh, but he went on to protect them and save his family. Then the shepherds had the gift of interacting with angels, and the wise men were led by stars. All of these God-breathed moments were given to them because this is a God that wants to be found. This is a God that was not hard to find, not angry, going, you should do it this way, going, I want you to discover me. I want you to find me. This king, this life changer. And so that's my prayer for all of us tonight. So it started, I uh, started this conversation with the Lord about, um, I read a book by uh, Baxter Kruger. I don't know if you've read anything by him. And he was talking about how the fall impacted us. And when we think about Jesus we think about Christianity, we think about all these kinds of religions, we think about sin, 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 and we need forgiveness, and we can't get into heaven unless somebody's going to pay for our sin, and those things are true, and that in itself is a miracle. It's wonderful, thank you God, I love it. I'm truly so grateful, but there was more, so much more. And what he started talking about, back, the Lord used Baxter Kruger's book and his picture like a diving board, and then the Spirit just kind of, I've been just swimming around in this concept because he said, when the man and the woman ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they ate of the tree of the knowledge, they didn't have this knowledge before, and now they do have this knowledge of good and evil, that they had this, <clears throat> they lost their vision of the true living God. So they've been living in the presence of a loving, wonderful God, constantly available, 
constantly loving, constantly affirming, constantly belonging. Like, talk about heaven on earth. They were living in it, this beautiful communion with this beautiful God. And when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this veil came over their eyes, but they were so devastated to not have a God that they can interact with. Kruger calls it, they made their own. And he calls it, they made Adam's God, little g. And Adam's God is what they started living out of, trying to appease this hatred, consumerism, selfishness, evil, division, deception, trying to figure out what are we going to do with all these things that we're experiencing. So we've got to do something to appease this God, and we know that there's something more, but we can't quite get to him because we've lost our vision. You all with me so far? This is Baxter, Baxter Kruger's work. He probably says it much better. But I'm just kind of coming back from what happened when Jesus came in form. Because I don't know about you, I'm getting ready to celebrate my 30 years as a Christian next year. And every year it feels like the Lord brings me new and more and new and more and deeper revelation and more wonder. And I love Jesus because he did take away my sins and he changed my life. And that's an understatement. I'm almost being flippant. No one has loved me like Jesus. No one has changed my life like Jesus. No one has rewritten my past like Jesus. No one has called out gifts and beliefs and prophetic like Jesus. No one. There's no one in my life that trumps the love of Jesus. And yet I'm finding that there's even yet still more. The magic is deeper still, right? Even still more than what Jesus brought. So when he came, and he came as a baby, which we all know, almost ad nauseum, if we're going to be honest, almost the Christmas story, almost so flippant that we're going, yeah, it's Christmas, i got to get my tree up. And we don't stop and go, Oh my gosh, God became flesh for us. And for me, all these years as a Christian, and I've just been trying to learn more and just walk in him more, this is the piece that's happened for me in these last couple of weeks, is that Jesus became flesh and was acquainted with our sorrows. You know this verse. And he suffered through the same things that we've suffered for. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I've kind of had this trump card Well, he was God, so he didn't really suffer humanity the way I suffer humanity. Has anybody else ever thought that? Is that he was God, fully God and fully man, and so he's acquainted with our sorrows, but did he actually, like, get it? And I know the cross, and I know all the theology. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how did Jesus really change the world in human form? And this is what God has been showing to me, is that Jesus came in human form and not just walked with us, experienced all the heartache, all the rejection, all the abandonment, all the hatred, all the deception, everything that you and I live with every single day in this human state, Jesus lived it and lived in it also, experienced it also, just like you did yesterday and you will tomorrow. Jesus experienced that same kind of thing. And here's what he did different, is that Jesus never took his eyes off the the love of the Father. And when Jesus kept his eyes right on the Father, experiencing all these pains and sorrows and heartaches and the woundedness of being a fallen human, he's like keeping his eyes on the Father and going, this is what home looks like. This is what love looks like. This is how I become something beyond what this world has ever seen. Let me listen. Jesus was not only showing us how it could be done, but Jesus was making a path for us also to be reunited to the love of the Father. 
When we are saying, John used to say this all the time, if you're talking about sin, you're not talking about what heaven is talking about because sin has been paid for. So heaven is talking about how might you find your way back into a face-to-face encounter with the Father who loves you, who's for you, who you belong to, who lives his whole life. And we see in John 17 that Jesus made this outrageous comment. First, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. Kept his eyes on the Father. Kept his eyes on fully loved, fully seen, fully known, fully adored at all times while he was encountering this broken humanness. And then he says in John 17, the glory that you gave to me, Lord, Father, the the glory that you gave to me, I've given to them. Holy cow. What does that mean that we carry the glory of God? What does that mean that the Lord is opening up this path for us, that Jesus being born as a human has opened up a completely different path of encounter with God? So here's the exercise that I find myself doing. Is that when... I don't know about you. I got a lot of shit going on in my life. I have a lot of opportunities to practice, okay? I got kids. (laughs) I got life. I got stuff coming at me. But here's what the Lord is, this exercise that the Lord is doing for me in in recent days, okay? Is that when something comes up and I get this rush of emotion and I feel this anger and this upset and, oh my gosh, I can just so gently feel the Spirit going, you're looking at Adam's God. Turn your eyes back on the Father, because when I look at the Father, there's just love. There's just possibility. There's just miracle. There's just provision. There's just healing. And so I want to invite you this Christmas to ask the Spirit to do something in your innards that you would just start the conversation. Am I looking? Here's a harder question. Have you ever sought the face of the Father? Have you ever somewhere in your mind allowed yourself to sit down in a chair, human to supernatural, and just ask the Lord to show you the face of Jesus, to ask you to show you his face? What's the expression on his face? What do his eyes look like? What's his mouth doing? Because I tell you, if you do that, it will wreck you for the rest of your life because he is so delighted to be with you. This is a joy-living grace-giving, like over-the-moon, delight-filled God. And that is the expression that you want to start looking for. Because if you'll start looking for that, the expression on Adam's God, it's just going to become less and less appealing. You're living, you are, I am, maybe all of us, are we living in a lesser identity, a lesser notion about what Jesus actually did? Because he came from heaven, brought heaven, gave heaven, and is leading the way to heaven for a reason. Amen? And it's not just to get our card punched in heaven. It's like he wants, he, his heart is to change our lives right now. Right now. And I just want to give you one verse that I just think God is so funny. I don't know where Barb is. Where's Barb Jones? Oh, this is so funny. <clears throat> She's going to laugh. It's like I asked the Lord just to give me a scripture that would help me understand this picture. And the scripture he gave is a scripture... I bet I've taught a hundred times or more. And it's not a Christmas scripture, so don't, you know, don't cry. It's 2 Corinthians 3.16. And here's what that sounds like in the Passion Translation. It says, But the moment that one turns to the Lord with an open heart, two things, turns to the Lord with an open heart. The veil is lifted, and they see. 
Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is, wherever the Lord is, there's freedom. And we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we will become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. And we're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one bright level of glory to another. And all this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We, with all veil, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. Well, you know that, you hear that, but what does that mean like right now today? And I used to hear that verse. Let me just like connect two dots for you. When Jesus was crucified, it says that the veil from the Holy of Holies was rent. We know that. From heaven to earth. Right? And that the Holy of Holies now has been opened up. And so that we have access into the most incredible relationship with God that's ever been made. Ever. Ever. Because of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. But all my Christian life, somewhere in my thinking, I had it that God put up the veil. And now, this Christmas, I'm going, he tore the veil. I'm the one that put up the veil. So the scripture says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord with an open heart willing to be changed, that veil comes off. And I get to see him for who he really is. And the more I look at him, the more I see who I really am. And now suddenly that glory is beginning to reflect glory to glory to glory to glory. Now we're getting some traction. Amen? Amen. So I'd like to just offer you this moment. And I'm not going to ask you to do it because honestly I don't think I can bend down. (laughs) But one of the things in the Christmas story that I've just been noticing in the Christmas story is that they all knelt before the king. And I just don't remember the last time I just knelt before the king. So I'd like for you sometime this Christmas, before Christmas morning, maybe on Christmas morning, would you just get on your knees and adore him and acknowledge this, this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords who opened the pathway for glory to come from heaven into me, out of me, into you, out of you. It's an, you talk about a miracle. Amen? Then the last thing I would just like to ask you to do is I would like for you to... <clears throat> hold on. Okay. So on your bag is uh, this ornament that Laura talked about that Joe Simeone so graciously did to us for us. And you'll see that it says, look full into his uh, wonderful face. And I'd like to just sing that a little bit as a prayer. And then I have a worship song that I want to do. And then we're going to have a toast. And then you can dance and talk. Does that sound good? <clears throat> all right. I'm going to hold my mic down. But you all sing with me. I'm, we're going to do turn your eyes. So just close your eyes. <clears throat> turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful time. Turn your eyes.
So, Father, in this moment, I just ask you to capture our hearts again, capture our attention again. Um, Father, let us see you for who you really are. Let each one of us encounter you, interrupt us, intersect us. Um, Thank you for your relentless pursuit. Nothing would do you but that you have our hearts, and I'm so grateful. So just intersect us again, God. Let us not be satisfied with Adam's God and all the works and all the deadness and all the lack of expectation. Let us taste your glory and feel and see your love in a fresh way this Christmas. We thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.